Hello, and welcome to the Degree of Freedom podcast. My name is Jonathan Haber, and today's guest, Timothy Mori, has been involved with the release of a new course on the edX platform. And why is that news? After all, new MOOCs are released on an almost daily basis by edX, Coursera, and other emerging MOOC providers. Well, this course, entitled Metabolic Applied Research Strategy, is not something that came out of Harvard or MIT or any of the other university partners we usually associate with edX MOOCs. Rather, it is a course developed by Ethicon, a medical instruments maker that is part of the Johnson & Johnson family of companies. Metabolic Applied Research Strategy, or MARS, is thus one of those intriguing educational somethings that are emerging as MOOCs and MOOC providers evolve beyond the means to bring undergraduate-level college courses to the masses. I've got some thoughts about what all this might mean that I'll share later, but for now, let's find out what this new course and the people behind it are all about. Timori, welcome to Degree of Freedom. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to join you. Tim, before getting into how you became a MOOC maker, can you tell listeners a little bit about your background and the background of your organization? Sure. So I'll start with kind of a high-level overview of the company I work for, and I'll whittle it down to my role within it. So I'm an employee of Ethicon, which is probably not so much a household name for most of, of your listeners, but our parent company probably is, and that's Johnson & Johnson. So Ethicon is, is a medical device company owned by J&J, &J. and we've got a long, I would like to say proud history, about 80, a little over 80 years. And our, our sort of start was in wound closure products. So, you know, your, your toddler walks into the corner of a wall and splits her forehead open and they need to sew her back up. Well, it's, it's our needle and thread used to, to sew her back up. So that was the basis of, of our business was, was on sutures, but it has grown. If, you're, if you can fast forward with me 80 plus years, we've grown where we are in really every Every surgical specialty. So minimally invasive surgery, colorectal surgery, hernia repair, bariatric surgery, where I currently focus, and even our biosurgical team makes hemostatic agents that control unwanted bleeding, for example. So I would say if, if you or someone you know has had surgery of some kind in the last 80 years, there's a decent chance that an Ethicon product was used at some point during that operation. So my role within the company, uh, it's sort of been a tale of two careers. I, I started out in sales and I was, you know, I had a sales territory and I, I went from hospital to hospital, operating room to operating room, educating and selling our, our medical devices. And then uh, one of the beauties of, of working for such a large organization is that you can kind of reinvent yourself without ever having to leave the company. So um, several years ago, I, I then took a role in uh, what is called our professional education department, which is or profit as it's known. And that department focuses on educating our customers. So our, our mostly our surgeons on exactly how our devices work within their procedures. And I took the role thinking I would probably stay for 12, 18 months and then rotate out into something else. But what happened is I fell in love with education and just the thrill of figuring out how to put together a good learning experience for for a practicing surgeon. Most of our educational efforts have been around, you know, one or two day in-person courses, but they've evolved in the last few years to involve more digital and online. And that's that's sort of what became my passion and what what ultimately led me to, to start thinking about MOOCs. Now, uh, before going on, I should say, yes, I'm an employee of, of Ethicon, so I need to be very transparent about that, but I also need to be transparent about the fact that I'm appearing here just on my own, and so I'm not appearing as a, as a company spokesperson at all. Can you tell us about the nature of the research that you built your upcoming MOOC around? Sure. So as I mentioned 
I work in the bariatric surgery space. And for those of you who don't know that term, that's, that's weight loss surgery. So you think about, a lot of you might know about gastric bands, for example, or gastric bypass surgery. That, those are all different types of bariatric surgery. Now, back in 2007, our company launched a multi-year, multi-million dollar investment into research, and it's called the Metabolic Applied Research Strategy, or MARS, as it's known. And the idea of MARS was to deconstruct bariatric and metabolic surgery to really understand exactly how they work and then use those insights to better predict outcomes, to improve existing therapies, and even potentially to invent newer, less invasive ways of combating obesity. Now, we're not at a point where we've invented you know, newer, less invasive ways of, of combating obesity, but the research has yielded some pretty remarkable findings. So we partnered with two lead researchers, one at the University of Cincinnati, a PhD by the name of Dr. Randy Seeley, and then another at Massachusetts General Hospital, a professor at Harvard Medical School and gastroenterologist, Dr. Lee Kaplan. So the two of them led, have been leading this research effort over the last few years or several years at this point, and have also been leading our efforts to educate uh, around the findings of, of Mars. And I gather you've been communicating this work through traditional methods such as journals or presentations at conferences. What made you decide to go beyond that and build a MOOC on the subject? So it's interesting. When we started to roll out the Mars findings, we did so as a series of debunking myths associated with obesity and bariatric surgery. And we first published as a supplement to Bariatric Times, which is a, a journal on bariatric surgery that many surgeons read. And the response was really overwhelming, overwhelming in a good way. And there was a lot of demand to hear more. And so then we started holding live, in-person, day and a half, what we called Mars Outreach Courses, where we would fly Dr. Kaplan and Dr. Seeley to a specific location, and then we'd bring 40 or 50 people into a room, and they would hear about all the latest research, and they would debunk these myths, these, these long-held myths that were really reshaping how people think about obesity, the nature of obesity, and the and the, the nature of how these surgeries work. And, and again, those courses were wildly popular. So we would host one in a, in a city and the RSVPs would be really, really quick. At this point, we've sent Dr. Kaplan and Dr. Seeley quite literally around the globe educating. But when you've got a message that you know needs to be heard, not just by bariatric surgeons, so they better understand how to communicate what it is that they do and how their surgery works. But really, we want referring healthcare providers to understand this, primary care physicians who are trying to help their patients manage obesity. Patients themselves need to learn about this. So we've got a message that we want the world to hear. Doing that 40 or 50 people at a time is not the way to do it. So our first attempt at going online was we filmed one of the Mars outreach programs. So we just kind of had a camera in the back of the room and filmed it, slapped it up on our website. And so it's there. I mean, even today, it's still there. If you go to ethicon.com and if you're ambitious enough to, to hunt around and click your way through, you'll find it. But the analogy I like to use with people is that approach is sort of like filming a play and calling it a movie. And, and you know that if I had a hit play on Broadway and I wanted to get it out to a larger audience and I said, I want to make a movie out of it, you would never advise me to then just bring a camera into the theater and film it. You've got to design for the medium in which you're going to, to use. And so that ultimately is, is what led us to decide to really think about putting together a course that was designed for an online audience and to reach that bigger audience. And last question before getting into your MOOC experience. Uh, most organizations looking to spread the word about their work will turn to online video like you used or 
delivered through YouTube, but you decided to build a full-scale online course on the Open edX platform. What went into that decision to go down that route? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because we've we've done the YouTube thing and we've we've tried a couple of other approaches online. What we've found is that in doing even some market research, what surgeons and and really just I think most people looking to learn online are looking for is interaction. We built our own LMS at one point and uh, and tried to launch it and you know tried to educate that way and we found that there wasn't a lot of uptake and I think although the content was not bad there was no opportunity for surgeons to exchange ideas with one another and I think the time is right for something like this it's interesting even just this month on on Twitter. Uh, a new group was formed kind of organically through surgeons just interacting with one another. They formed this international general surgery journal club where they pick an article each month. So this was the first month they did it. And they were able to convince uh, JAMA, the, the Journal of American Medical Association, to, to provide free access to the article that they selected. And then they spent a few days just on Twitter sort of semi-synchronously discussing it. And I think it's that type of interaction that people are looking for. And when I think about specifically with respect to the Mars research, Part of it is, yes, we want to get this message out to, to as many folks as we can. But the other part of it is I want people to engage with the content and with one another. So we want to see how this content lands. How does it reshape discussions that we have about obesity and where bariatric surgery fits in? And the only way to really do that is to give people an environment in which they can so we've got a YouTube channel and we could have just filmed a bunch of videos and put them on our YouTube channel, but we really felt like doing something that would allow for that type of peer-to-peer -peer exchange was important. Okay, so you decided you're going to build a MOOC on the open source version of the edX learning management system, but beyond downloading their source code, what steps does such a process actually involve? It was actually not as simple as just downloading their open source code. So I'd been kind of following the whole MOOC movement from afar, from, I wouldn't even say from the sidelines, more from the stands, kind of cheering it on and participating in a couple of MOOCs myself just to get a flavor for them. And I was increasingly convinced that this was the way to go. And I just so happened to be tuning in one day for uh, an online chat with an Agarwal that he was hosting. I think it was on Boston.com. And somebody asked him if, if edX would ever think about partnering with a non-university. I shouldn't say partnering, I guess allowing a non-university to, uh, to host a course on their platform. And his response was, yes, we're, we're already looking into doing such things. This was a while back. So they, as you've probably seen, they've already done this. But that was when I, I said, wow, there's an opportunity here to not only to try to build something MOOC-like of our own, but to just take their platform and, and use it. And so I reached out to, to edX and, and was able to make contact with some folks over there. And the discussion we had there was, was interesting. They said, well, it's, it's open source, so you're free to to do what you just said, Jonathan, which is to download it and do it yourself. Or, you know, we could enter into an agreement where they provide all the, all the services required to build and host the course. And I looked at that and said, it's almost like someone saying to me, yep, if you want to build a rocket ship and fly to the moon, here are all the parts and here's the uh, manual for assembly and have at it. Or we have this nice rocket ship over here and we, you can co-pilot with us. And so as you can imagine, that was appealing <laughs> to do the latter. And so we entered into an agreement with, with edX where we just were able to use their authoring tool and their, you know, their LMS was already built for us. And so I'm happy to say that even uh, a guy like me with, without any formal training in doing this sort of thing was able to author what I hope is a pretty compelling course just using their off-the-shelf software. Okay, so it was really like a, a traditional open source project mm -hmm. where uh, the source was free, but you contract with them for services. Yep. We're getting onto that content. What type of content does your course include? You mentioned interactivity. Do you include assessment, reading assignments, forums, for example? Great question. 
we really felt like because this initial running of the course is, yes, it's open to anyone, but it's really been designed with the bariatric surgeon in mind. And we, we had to keep that in mind as we developed the course. By that, I mean, you've got an audience of people who are already functioning at a very high level and are pretty much experts in this topic. And what we're basically asking them to do is just to reconsider what they already know. Uh, I won't go so far as to say to unlearn what they already know, but certainly to sort of paradigm shift. We're not that interested in assessing them, but we're very interested in tracking their, shall we say, their attitudinal shift as they engage with the content and with one another. And so when we started framing up, all right, what will this course look like and how will it be? Of course, we took the the lectures that Dr. Seely and Dr. Kaplan, our, our two lead researchers, we, we took their lectures and made them appropriate for an online audience, meaning that we you know, chunked them into very short segments and made sure that they were hitting on just one point at a time and did all those types of things that I think any good MOOC does. When we started thinking about how are we going to put in the questions or, or discussion forum prompts or you know, projects, the funny thing is the, the first thing we thought was, well... Most bariatric surgeons do some type of outreach where they'll host a seminar at their local hospital and, and educate their community about what bariatric surgery is all about. And, you know, prospective patients show up and, and learn about the surgery and then decide, you know, whether to proceed or not. And so we thought they all have PowerPoint presentations. Maybe what we'll do as our activity for the course will be to have them, as we go through and debunk these myths, we'll have them create their own PowerPoint slides that would then they would be able to take and, and use in their own practice. And so at the urging of, of edX, one of their training sessions with us, they, one of the things they stressed, not just us, but to their university partners as well, is before you really set out on an approach, make sure that you do a little test with your audience to see whether it's going to work. And so they advised us to basically open up one week worth of content, a representative week to a, a small audience and sort of see how they react. So we did that with a small group of surgeons, and they hated the idea that we were going to ask them to not only engage with the content, but then to create PowerPoint slides to go along with it. We thought it was a nice kind of constructivist type of approach, and it turned out that that was just not what they were looking for. And that caused us to really rethink our approach. And so what we've done instead is we have a single check for understanding type question after some of the videos, just to make sure that we're driving home the right point and making sure people are truly paying attention. But most of our activities in the course are around discussion forum prompts and then readings, but not not journal articles, but rather we'll say, hey, you know, so we just learned a lot about, for example, the we debunked the myth about calories in versus calories out being the, you know, the the way to manage your weight. Take a look at this New York Times article from from this columnist who makes a certain argument about the nature of the obesity epidemic in the US and everything that we just taught you about this, how would you respond to that? And we just want to see how people are, are going to respond to that and to sort of see whether whether they're embracing the, the findings of Mars or not, whether they need to see more clinical results. So it'll be interesting to see how that new approach lands with our audience. But I think what we've done is created a place not for them just to learn about what the Mars findings are, but a place for them to engage with one another and share relevant, meaningful work with one another and, and really move the conversation forward. And we hope that that's the type of course we've created. So you mentioned some of the piloting you did to determine how the course should be structured. Just curious, did you try modeling your course on any existing edX courses? Great question. There's not one particular course that we modeled after. I would say I tried to look at a number of different courses, both on edX and elsewhere, to sort of see what I thought was working well and then adopt what I could. So, you know, I've taken a few courses where the professor, you know, lectures just in front of a, a webcam 
and that works pretty well. I've seen courses where one course that I really liked that actually I was first turned on to from from listening to your podcast was the Heroes X course, where they took a number of different approaches in, in terms of their videos, where you had Dr. Naj speaking directly into the camera at points. And then at other points, you had the entire Heroes X faculty kind of seated around a table and it felt like you were just sitting there with them. I would have loved to have done that type of approach. We were a little constrained by the fact that we just had our faculty one day with each of them to, to film. So I had a day with, with Dr. Kaplan and a day with Dr. Seeley and, and not the two of them together and not an opportunity to bring other folks into the mix. I hope that in future iterations of the course, we'll start to incorporate other types of video content in. And then as far as the approach from a pedagogical perspective, I think we're in a little bit of a unique space where we're dealing with such a special audience that I wasn't looking to replicate anything that I had seen specifically on, on edX or Coursera or Udacity or elsewhere. So I, I think that the stuff we were talking about earlier where we really had to rethink our approach as far as how much we were going to ask of a learner. There are no formal assessments in the, in the course. There is no final exam. <laughs> we just want people to come in and engage with, with, with the content and with one another. So it's, it's a little unique in that respect, I think. So for all the bariatric surgeons eagerly listening in right now, uh, when will the course be available and what level of commitment will it require? The course itself, the registration site will be up probably before this podcast airs. It'll be at ethicon.edx.org. We'll start accepting pre-registration pretty much right away. Our course launch date has not quite yet been determined. We're still working our way through a, a couple of regulatory hurdles with uh, kind of internally, but we'll launch it sometime this spring. So it's not far off from launching. I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting to know how many, <laughs> you said all the bariatric surgeons listening. If we were to do a Venn diagram of, of Degree of Freedom podcast listeners and bariatric surgeons, I wonder what the overlap would be. <laughs> Smaller than philosophers. <laughs> I'm sure. Speaking of metrics, do you have any metrics you'll be using to measure the success of your course? Another great question. It's it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, it's been interesting to watch what's happening in the higher ed space and how are they defining success of one MOOC versus another? Do we look at enrollment rate? Do we look at completion rate? Do I look at just at, like I mentioned earlier, attitudinal shift of our participants? Truth is, we'll be looking at all of those things. I certainly know what failure would look like, which is to say that if we launch the course and, and nobody shows up and it's just me and a couple of my friends <laughs> hanging out alone. And I also know what wildly successful would look like, which is to say that registration goes berserk and we have very few dropouts and people really heavily engage with the content and people really start having new conversations about obesity and, and the mechanism of action by which bariatric and metabolic surgery work to combat it. You know, we'll probably land somewhere in the middle there, I would expect, but we'll be carefully looking at all of these metrics. And I think that's actually one of the strengths of, of the platform, right, is that you're able to track literally every click of the mouse of each participant. And so we'll have a good picture as to exactly what worked and what doesn't work. We're committed to running the course three times this year, so this will not be a one and done kind of thing. And we're working on our second course on a totally different topic uh, as we speak. So our hope is that this really takes off and that this becomes becomes a really new, innovative way for surgeons to engage with one another and, of course, with Ethicon. Yeah, and I guess you've answered my question. This is not really a one-off. It's more like a pilot. So it sounds like if it works, there'll be more MOOCs in the future. We'll just say internally, a lot of eyes are on this to sort of to see how it goes. We expect it's going to go well. I mean, certainly we feel like I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we've tried online learning before. We built our own LMS and it was to be kind to ourselves. I'll say it was mixed success. But our feeling was that if by using a platform developed by folks from Harvard and MIT, if that's if they can't figure out online education, then we're doomed. <laughs> So so our hope is that we've got a really good platform here and one that could lead to bigger and better things down the road. Okay, well, Tim, I want to wish you the best of luck with your project, and thanks for being on the show. Jonathan, thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast.
That was Tim Mori, Marketing Manager for Bariatric and Metabolic Surgery at Ethicon. As I noted at the start of this program, a course developed by a private company, such as a medical products giant, and delivered via platform, edX we have until now associated with the Academy, should be thought of as part of the evolution of the MOOC concept beyond its original roots. Starting with the obvious, a course like Mars blurs the line between academic education and corporate training, given that it emerged not from the Academy, but from the private sector. At the same time, the course is hardly a training video for how to use this or that product that Ethicon or Johnson & Johnson sells, nor does it fall into the category of direct job-related skill development that we normally associate with workforce training. Rather, this is the kind of advanced seminar that professionals, in this case bariatric surgeons, attend all the time, much like the cardiologist who scheduled days of such seminars at the Big Sky Ski Resort I visited over February vacation, seminars would start at the crack of dawn, broke at nine when the ski lifts open, and then resumed again in the afternoon after the mountain had closed. It is this type of high-level professional development that is costly to develop, difficult to deliver to those who could benefit from it, even if you schedule sessions at ski or golf resorts, and very, very challenging to scale. Yet who can deny that training medical professionals on topics and techniques that help them do their jobs better is not in everybody's interest? As Tim pointed out, organizations like his have options with regard to online delivery of their course content. But their partnership with edX brings up another interesting question regarding whether that choice of platform turns the Mars course into something it wouldn't be if the same content was delivered via some other learning management system. Yes, the edX platform could do a lot of things. And the fact that it was created to facilitate delivery of traditional college courses means it's built on a metaphor that might not be found in some learning management system optimized for professional training. But I'd like to suggest that as edX's association with both prestigious institutions of learning and the MOOC movement in general, they'll set the Ethicon course apart from other similar courses, or even the same course delivered through a platform other than edX. I've argued in the past, and will continue to argue in the future, that MOOCs cannot be defined as just the product of world-class universities, especially since the term world-class doesn't communicate anything objective beyond snobbery, and lots and lots of important education is going on beyond the university. While I've also argued that MOOCs should not be defined as just those things delivered by companies like edX and Coursera, one can't ignore the fact that a course, any course, deployed via one of these platforms tends to get classified as a MOOC, and more importantly, tends to draw a far greater number of students than would a similar course or even the same course delivered in another manner. This brings up one last factor we should be thinking about vis-a-vis -vis the evolution of MOOCs. For until now, MOOCs have primarily covered undergraduate-level subjects. And both from experience and from talking with other MOOC students, the undergraduate-level course, especially the undergraduate-level survey course, particularly ones taught by talented and sophisticated professors, turns out to be a terrific unit of education, relevant not just to those between the ages of 18 and 22. That said, I've also heard from fellow extreme learners that a lack of advanced-level courses has slowed down their MOOCing momentum as they turn to other learning options to focus more intensely on a single subject. So if MOOCs are going to play in this arena, why not reach out beyond the academy for sources of advanced content? Getting back to numbers, I don't expect that Tim or anyone else associated with this project expects tens of thousands to enroll and take the course, given that the universe of bariatric surgeons is a tad smaller than the universe of wannabe computer programmers or plain old curious wannabe students looking to learn subjects like history or philosophy in a systematic course-like fashion. But if the Mars MOOC can reach more people in a single session than the traveling roadshow version the course can reach in a year, with large percentages of students who enroll taking it from beginning to end, I think it would be fair to call that a success. 
And if you'd like to contribute to that success, there's a link to the Ethicon course on the Degree of Freedom website, and I'll be sure to circle back with Tim once the first iteration of the course is completed and report back how it goes. But for now, it's time to leave tummy-tucking science behind and call it a show. But I hope you'll be able to join us again on the next Degree of Freedom podcast. Yeah.